Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Bald Move Prestige film. Today, we're talking about Schindler's List, a 1993 uh, epic historical film depicting uh, the events of the Holocaust, in particular, how uh, one German man uh, conspired to use his wealth and to defraud Nazis and save approximately 1,100 individuals from being exterminated by the Nazi regime. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. It's widely thought of as his greatest film uh, with a screenplay by Steve uh, Zalian, uh, who also wrote the screenplays for Awakening, Gangs of New York, Moneyball, The Irishman, just tons of great stuff. It's based on the novel Schindler's Ark by Thomas Keneally and scored by John Williams, which, you know, is is a great, great <laughs> uh, counter to the... Uh, to the John Williams only makes one type of soundtrack type of movie because you will not <laughs> yeah. find a, a march or anything heroic in this film. Uh, it stars Liam Neeson, a practically a very young baby face, practically unknown Liam Neeson at the time. Uh, he'll go on to make Love Actually starring Rob Roy and Shudder or uh, in the Taken series. He's joined by Ben Kingsley of Gandhi, Sexy Beast and Shutter Island fame and Ray Fiennes, who, of course, uh, plays Lord Voldemort. In the Harry Potter films, managing to be only his second most villainous role, a literal snake-faced necromancer. <laughs> uh, the English patient, the Grand Budapest Hotel, where he plays a heroic fighter of uh, fascism and Nazis, ironically, and The Menu, which I haven't seen yet. Have you seen that? Yeah, I watched that like last weekend, I think. I enjoyed Is it. Is he real creep in that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. really good at playing creeps, but, but then again, he's also really good at playing the most charming person you can think of. Uh... This movie is not the first time I've seen this movie. I saw this movie shortly after it came out in 94. My mother rented it and we watched it together. Um, I'm pretty sure it's me, her and dad. I know my sister and brother weren't there. Um, and it's one of those things like, you know, I've, I've often mentioned I was forbidden from watching rated R movies due to my being raised in this very fundamentalist Christian religion. Um, but one of the exceptions was this one because it had a lot of historical value and, uh, my, my old religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, very preoccupied with the Holocaust themselves because they were one of the, uh, one of the sects condemned to the death camps as well, alongside the, the Jewish, uh, people, uh, Slavic people, homosexuals, uh, Roma, just, just tons of people that uh, Germany decided were useless to society and wanted to get rid of in as expedient a uh, fashion as possible. So I got to see this, and I remember making a pretty big impact. Um, I've never seen it again because I didn't think I saw the need to, and uh, it came up on our, you know, one of our, you know, wrote, did we? I can't remember. Did we handpick this ourselves, or was this something selected by the executive producers? I want to say this is a, a anniversary. That's so. right, because this is the 30th anniversary mm -hmm. of its release this year. Um, we're, we're quite a bit out ahead of it, um, but we wanted to do that. I've been watching and listening to a lot of World War II history, uh, specifically the World War, World War II in Real Time by India Nidell. And there's a companion uh, sequence of that that starts up right around the, the, the late 40s or the late 1940, late 1940, not in the 40s, late 1940, uh, a, a companion called The War Against Humanity that delves into... Uh, you know, the war crimes uh, that were committed each week. Um, and there's some harrowing stuff, um, a fraction of which is contained in this film. 
I've got a lot of thoughts about um, how I felt the second time through. Watch this on a very dreary, cold, rainy Monday in, in uh, Cincinnati in January. Uh, Jim, I don't know your personal experience of this movie and uh, what you thought of it. Uh, let, let, let me know. This Enlighten the, me. This is the first time I've seen this movie, um, but it was hard even as what? I would have been 11 12 uh, around the time of the release and Uh even as at that age it was hard to not have a lot of um i I guess understanding of this movie sort of bleed into your consciousness it was it was in the zeitgeist right everybody was talking about schindler's list and um and and in in like hushed tones about how amazing it was uh how how incredibly emotional the, the the film is and how it will just devastate you. And so I I have a lot of like, I, I guess, secondhand baggage with this movie where I, I've heard people say that over and over again. And I'm going into this movie kind of like half dreading the end of it because I've heard it's just so devastating. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got to the end of this movie and, and I... And I had appreciated what it done to then, and I I saw the scenes that I think were supposed to be emotionally devastating, and they just didn't quite hit me as emotionally devastating as as other things. As like, uh, th- th- there are a lot of I, I don't know. So so I should frame this in like, what was my state of mind? Because I watched this last night, and I had to watch it very late because I was busy the rest of the day with. Uh, a lot of other work stuff. And then we watched the last of us and that episode was very emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was just all wrung out of emotions by the time I got to this, but this, I I was looking at this movie a lot more from like a historical context and seeing the sort of the way that like all of the events sort of conspired against these people to, to bring about a terrible fate and, and just seeing the way in which that all kind of came together. And look, I, I know this is probably not a hundred percent accurate. It's a historical fiction film uh, for parts of it, I'm sure. But like, it, I, I was more impressed by the tale of like subtle nudging of people in directions, the sort of coincidental nature of who survived and who didn't. And by the time I got to the end, I guess I was so wrapped up in those things that I did not quite feel the turn as hard as I expected to, which surprised me because I had heard so much about it. Yeah, I want to get into that when we get to the spoiler take, because I, I had a couple even of seeing this movie 30 years ago, I had a couple misconceptions about how I misremembered the movie uh, and how it went that mm-hmm. I was fascinated watching it as an older uh, an older man. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I hit it because I, I think you're right. There's a couple of, you know, um, I've seen, I think, more gut-wrenching depictions of, like, the brutality of the Holocaust. Oh, by And you can't far. get much more brutal than, like, seeing some of, the, like, just the documentary film footage yeah. of the mass graves and, you know, the train. Like, this of is... Auschwitz, of, of all the, the concentration camps. Yeah. yeah. With people who are just so malnourished as to be skeletons and... And then being but ushered into that... ovens and shit. I, I mean, this doesn't hit as hard as looking at one of those real photographs to me. 
but I think the like, there's like things I think that uniquely work well that it's like the implication, right? Sure, totally. Um, it's not a brutal scene to see a bunch of um, singing children being herded onto a truck, right? Uh-huh. You know, that's roughly it's like you could be a school bus, right? Um, it could be taking him to a refugee thing, but like in the context of it being in a labor camp mm-hmm. that we now know as extermination camp. And the fact that, you know, we are just went through a, a scene of, of Jewish people being sorted into people who are fit for work and people are not fit for work. And we know what's going to happen to the people who are not fit with work. And mm-hmm. these kids being round up without their parents knowledge and being and then they, they you know, you see these these lines of trucks with just loaded with children um, being driven past their parents who thought that they had es- escaped something, thought they had escaped death for one more dead. There's this great yeah. line where a woman, you know, they're. Uh, you know, they're all in the train cars and they're worried. And, and she said something along the lines of like, you know, an, a, another minute of life is, is, is still life. You know, like you, you try to cling on, you try to do whatever you can to, to keep living until you meet the end. But like these parents who had, you know, they were kind of like relieved and smiling that, you know, they were going to get another few minutes and then they see these trucks with their children rung past. And I, that just was fucking devastating uh, to me. Hmm. And the fact that like, you're right, this isn't a story about malnourished skeletons who I think kind of can be dehumanized when you see like the liberation scenes and band of brothers and, and whatnot. It doesn't register as real people. These are fit and healthy people who are, constantly aware of where they could you know and or not even it's like there's it's also a story of people like trying to keep hope alive mm-hmm. you know it's like well if we just do the things we're supposed to do right you know well, surely we'll be okay why would they exterminate their workforce like they keep you know like that we yeah. we're making all their shit for them how could they do like the fact that there is a lot of denial about that um it's it's in some ways just, like it's a, just, a it's just tragedy about human adaptability in a, in a strange way too like th- these yeah, are the context through which i'm seeing it all and so when they go right. to the emotional well it it doesn't it doesn't quite hit it it's sad and i register that sadness obviously yeah but like and i think they did a good job of showing like how you could boil a frog in that environment exactly. to get the maximum yeah. amount of compliance and and it's not to excuse people that like maybe didn't do more or saw you know mm-hmm. maybe saw where things were going and could have you know done more than mr schindler here uh, but it's also like I think if that's your first impulse to be, you know, the cast stones is like I, my first impulse is like, good God, what would I have done? It, right. If right. I was in the position of the average Jewish person in this film, if I was in a position of Oscar Schindler, I can't quite imagine being in the position of what is Ammon Goth. Goth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like I, I can't I can't quite bend myself to like think of like what the fuck is it like to be in his head? <laughs> but like, you know, there's scenes like I, I really I felt like a, a real deep empathy for these Jewish people who were elected by their fellow men and women to represent them within this terrible regime the the ironically named Judenrats uh this like council and like they were just like you know like all these people with this daily outrages they're coming to them and they have no power to do anything but they're just they're just they're just pressure relief valve and I thought mm-hmm. about the Jewish people who volunteered to bleed a police force the police the ghettos and were you know helping to do the rounding up and stuff and can you I you know I don't know I'm sure there's people that do have harsh judgments for those people uh, there's people that have harsh judgments this film I found out um that was something that surprised me in the the researches you know, there's a lot yeah. of it's it's a small but vocal minority that has, I think, some pretty good points. You probably guess a lot of them. But I, I thought it was like all the, the fact that it wasn't uh, a bunch of 
skeletons who are on the, the the verge of death that they had, you know, like these people could still see that, like, you know, if we could just survive somehow, if we could just keep enough of our if we can keep our family intact, maybe we can survive this nightmare. Um, and I felt mm-hmm. like that made it a lot more relatable. And as a you know, I, yeah, I obviously relate to stuff involving kids and, and, and family, but all that stuff just being. Uh, and, and and just just how arbitrary and thoughtless it all was, you know, like trying to think of like what it's like to be caught up in these this machinery that's grinding people up, and you know you can fight and protest or run and get shot then and there, or you can kind of go along. Uh, and also the act of resistance that was still happening, you know, like mm-hmm. you know the 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 ways you can still resist these things and and is it better to go out in a blaze of glory is it better to do the long con that might you know bleed more me- uh, measure uh, treasure from the nazi regime and and pry a few more lives out of their grasp uh it's also meditation of harm reduction sure you know if like if you have nothing but bad choices uh do you have, I guess, the strength to keep on making the less bad choices until you don't have those choices to make anymore? I thought all this stuff was really mm-hmm. moving. And the fact that it was this very restrict restricted streamline or I don't want to say restricted, um, very buttoned down Steven Spielberg working in black and white, where I read some making of that he wasn't he didn't shoot this like a normal thing where you'd you know you get all your blocking together and you would have a whole bunch of uh you know animatics and and storyboards. He got sets and settings and people with script together and he treated it like this as a documentary that I'm just gonna film stuff as I see it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you don't get a lot of the the art and artifice that you get into other films, but it does feel a lot more real that way. I thought. Oh yeah, there, there's a, a subtlety to this movie, and I, I think like one of the things I was reading about uh, the creation of this film is that the script that was turned in um, by the writer initially was shorter, much shorter, like eighty pages shorter. And Spielberg said, yeah. "No, let's let's really let's make this longer. Instead of this hundred and fifteen page thing, give me a one ninety five." Um, and I, I think that helps because like part of the reason he wanted that is because Schindler's transition from being a heartless businessman to being somebody who's going to spend his entire fortune saving as many Jews as possible was too abrupt. It was too like storybook, and he wanted something more subtle and less like concrete. And to me, that's where like the movie really shined. Um, I mean, I mean, it shines in a lot of different ways, but that's the one I was looking at going, okay, do I feel like this is real? And in a lot of movies I would say, well, I feel like someone could have this revelation, but it seems far fetched here. It feels very natural. Like this is a man who has been, uh, has spent his life hoping he can, I forget exactly what he says in the movie, but basically make his mark on history and he inadvertently ends up doing it in a way that he never would have made his mark on history if if he were still the man he was at the beginning of this film, right? And I think yeah. the way that they subtly push him over that precipice makes a lot more sense in real life than it than most movies do. So I, I really appreciate that part. Um, and like you said, with with all the 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 questions of like just what would you have done in this situation um 
at every turn in this movie, it's easy to see why the people made the decisions they made, why they felt the ways they felt, um, why they viewed it as like, well, it can't, you know, it can't possibly get worse than this. And then every time you imagine that it can't get worse, it gets worse. Right. Um, right. And in, in ways that you didn't expect. And I, I think, yeah, that that's a, the, probably the best part of the movie for me is those, those subtleties in it. Yeah, there's nothing that's lighthearted or comical in this movie. There's no attempts no, to. No. Uh, that's the other thing I thought was surprising is that I didn't remember this movie being three hours and 15 minutes long. And when I looked up, I was surprised. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is like a director's cut. No, this is the original release. Uh, this movie doesn't I, I don't feel, feel like feels like it's three hours and 15 minutes. No, long. for sure. I felt like it moved on a really good clip and was completely absorbing. Mm hmm. Um, in fact, I, I kept on like forced myself. You should make a note here because, you know, there would be like 30, 40 minutes go by where I was just sitting there, you know, kind of spellbound. <laughs> yeah. Um, just either horrified or because that's the other thing. It's like the one that I think the reason this is a really effective film and affecting film is not because it is so tragic and so sad, although it is all that. It's also extremely in inspiring, mm -hmm. you know, of like because what is a what is a thousand people against six million no, it's a pittance, right? Um, yeah. And the movie certainly feels that. But there's also ways where you can show that, you know, um, well, I guess the, the Jewish faith itself has some. This is something from the Torah that if you save uh, a person who saves one life, saves the world. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you look at it from that perspective, 1100 is a hell of a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just thought I was really... Um, I thought it, I just I just thought this depiction of the, and the way you de they, they depicted Schindler, the way they depicted uh, Goth, Goth. Um, I thought that stuff was just just really, really interesting and um, really effective because, you know, one of the reasons that um, Steven Spielberg made this movie is because he was kind of incensed in the 90s. I don't remember it like this, but of course, you know, as a sheltered um, yeah. kind of rural kid, there was, I guess, a resurgence of. Neo-Nazism, Holocaust denial, the stuff was getting aired out of the media and taken, you know, seriously as a as a debate. And uh, Steven Spielberg decided to make this movie kind of like as his uh, way of fighting against that. And it's also interesting that 30 years later, we are also seeing <laughs> after that a resurgence of anti-Semitism coming from very wealthy, powerful, well-connected individuals it's being taken seriously like I've never seen it taken seriously in my lifetime. Uh, the Internet has added a whole other level of like snark and infantilism to the Holocaust denial and that I find personally distasteful. Uh, the fact that like the other thing is like knowing that how many of the Schindler Jews, as they're known, were alive back in 93 and knowing yeah. that almost with a certainty none of them are now. Mm -hmm. You get this kind of like the other thing is like this foreboding like turning over a, a clock cog that like, oh God, there's an entire generation that were firsthand witnesses of this shit, this runaway uh, fascist ideology, this, this, this ideology of annihilation and they're gone. Yeah. And what risk does that put us in a time where no one believes official accounts of anything? Um, you know, this movie I think is neat. And I, I think it, this movie would surprise a lot of people because I imagine there's a lot of people that haven't in our audience even that hasn't seen this film because of its reputation, because it came out so long ago, because it's black and white, uh, because of its heavy source material, because of the heavy source material. Yeah, mm -hmm. that um, 
I, I don't know. It's like now more than ever, we need movies like this. And uh, there's this Ken Burns documentary on America and the Holocaust that is on my list of things to see that just came out that I've heard is excellent as well. Um, because, yeah, I mean, if we're, yeah, it, it's trite, but if you forget these things, you kind of doom yourself to, to repeat them because why wouldn't you? There's such such easy and obvious solutions to your problems. What's the other? It's some, some hidden element in your home country and abroad mm -hmm. that's fucking everything up. You could have a great nation if you could just get rid of these these types of people. And those types of people might change from time to time, but uh, uh, it was... Uh, it's a bad time, bad time to be a Jew Jewish person in Europe in the, the the middle of the 20th century there. And uh, you don't know who the target will be the next time, mm -hmm. um, but it will be a wrongheaded target that will kill a, a bunch of people unnecessarily. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's good. If, if you haven't seen this movie, I would certainly encourage you to do so. If nothing else, just to see something that Steven Spielberg created, you might not ever have seen. You know, like this is... This doesn't feel like a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, um, it's yeah. the most un Steven Spielberg film I've I've, I've almost ever seen. Uh, I agree. And with he that. was. Did you see that he was editing and approving visual effects work for J Jurassic Park as he was filming this movie, which he yeah. described as a deeply bipolar experience. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That he would come, you know, uh, he had, he'd rented this Polish television studio's satellite up and down link a week at a time just to all week long download the video, the visuals and audios of Jurassic Park. Then he would then edit on the weekends. And he said, it's like, oh, with Jurassic Park, it was all I, I poured all of my craft into. Mm -hmm. And with Schindler's List, I poured all of my intuition. And it was just a deeply kind of bipolar filming experience, a very depressing one. I bet. He said that he wept daily. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually had his friend uh, Robin Williams call him to give him like, you know, these, I guess, hilarious, uh, you know, Robin Williams bits to kind of cheer him up. And he'd watch Seinfeld reruns to try to kind of like keep his spirits up. But it was just uh, it was it was a grueling experience, as, as you can imagine, for uh, a young Jewish man himself. Yeah. No, ah, lots more crazy. to talk about. What do you have any other non uh, any non spoiler thoughts about this movie? Uh, I don't think so. I want to get into it. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back with more Bald Move. Okay, so if you haven't, if you're not familiar with this film, this is about uh, uh, a, a German businessman named Schindler. And uh, he, Oscar Schindler, and he is off to Poland in the middle of the war just after Germany has taken it and they're lightning, lightning offensive uh, to seek his fortune. There's cheap Jewish labor to be had. There is a war that's got a huge appetite for durable goods, and he has spent a time uh, building up black market connections and flattering Nazi officials to be in the catbird seat to profiteer from all of this. 
And that's exactly what he does. He starts opening up these factories, producing enameled pots and pans for use in the field by the soldiers. Uh, and he hires almost exclusively Jer- uh, Jewish labor uh, to to fill his factories. At some point, he begins the, the pains of his conscience begin to prick him as the uh, oppression to Jews goes from, you know, I don't think it was ever subtle or covert when you're in the 1940s, but goes from distasteful to outrageous to indefensible. And he has to decide what, if anything, he can do about it. And that is the three hour, 50 minute runtime. Um, spoilers from here on out. I kind of want to talk about that first part is because I remember thinking that Oscar Schindler is a hero and that he was a wealthy businessman that didn't like Nazis and he decided to use his fame and fortune mm. to save a bunch of Jews. Wow. I was very wrong yeah. about my memories of this film and I was kind of shocked at how unsentimental it was in the play, the portraying Oscar's just, you know, just the, the naked profiteering side of him. Huh? Yeah, that's who he is at the beginning. Uh, he is a man who does not care about the fate of these people. All he cares about is making money off the war. And it's not just that. He's just a deeply kind of unserious type of person. He's a womanizer. He cheats on his wife. He schmoozes with Nazis. Uh, he is a you know big drinker, partier. Um, you know, says, says very thoughtless things to his Jewish employees to say the, the and quote unquote employees to say the least. Um, and the other thing is like, there's not a moment where Schindler sees the light. Right. There's a couple of moments you could point to that are, you know, definitely nudge him that direction. But the film, I think to its credit, doesn't give a lot of overt concern to why Schindler did this. You know, or make him out to be like some kind of outstanding person of moral virtue. He's not like a Valjean, Jean Valjean from Les Mis, where he's just a good, incorruptible person. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular old greedy person who decides he's seen enough and can't see no more and does something about it. Whatever, whatever that is, he does. And I think, yeah, I thought that was really weirdly inspiring that you don't have to be a fucking Mother Teresa uh, uh, you don't have to be Mr. Rogers to make a huge impact on people's lives. But I, that yeah. t- came as a total shock to me. And, and there are a couple of points that, that I want to talk about in regards to that. A is like it really, I, I guess, showed what I would call growth on Schindler's part um, and, and demonstrated like how far he's come on a personal journey, whereas maybe some others of his peers have not when he goes around to his peers, his business peers and says, Hey, I want to buy basically all these Jews out of slavery and I want to take them back to to my own factory in Czechoslovakia and we're going to keep them safe. And his peers are like, eh, nah, no thanks, dude. Uh, They haven't had the same, I guess, relationship with this war uh, and this time as he has. And I think that's that's part of that subtlety, too, or it it helps to like underscore the subtly subtlety without like highlighting hey this is a big change of heart that he's had it just shows the the contrast right between who he was before which is represented by those peers and who he is now um i thought that was really good the the one i I don't i don't want to call it a flaw in the movie it's the one thing that like really stands out it sticks out like a sore thumb in this movie 
intentionally so, obviously so. It's the girl in the red coat. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like that. I don't think that belongs in this film. It's it's the most obvious nudge in a direction that this film gives the character the entire time. And I think it's too much. It's a little bit too much. Mm. Yeah, it might be. I take it that this is um, that's that, that this account of this girl in the red dress or the red coat was told to Steven Spielberg by people who survived the ghetto. Um and like it was such a striking thing to him that he decided to. Inc- I I, I kind of wrestled with that, too. Like, what does it mean? Why did they show it? There's a two part, you know, it, it's if it's a moment in Schindler's life, it's a two stage reveal. Like when he mm-hmm. notices the girl being rounded up and being terrified during the liquidization of the of the, of the Polish ghetto here. And then when they exhume all the bodies to hide the war crimes, you know, there's this mm-hmm. like all like this uh, res- re- um realization late in the war that they were going to lose and that oh shit a lot of this stuff looks bad we got to go and try to like you know bleach the crime scenes um but i don't know it's like one of those things where i think they were trying to visualize just how in like this massive humanity humanity like that it wasn't is it a joseph stalin quote about um you know, a, a, a single death is a tragedy. A million is a t- statistic out of this huge statistic, six, roughly six million people that are, that are going to die in a short span of time. You pick out one face in a crowd of like, you know, just particularly like, you know, this girl in this red je- coat and that that somehow humanizes the entire group. And just like the horror and the senselessness of like, you know, how could this little girl be an enemy of the state? How could the sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I don't I don't there's a lot of ink spilt and trying to analyze, you know, like why that thing is there and how it works in the sense of the film. And I think that's fine to say you don't like it. I don't say, I don't know that I like it or dislike it. Yeah. It it just felt like too much of a nudge, like too obvious of a thing. I I was really enjoying the subtlety of it all. And then boom, they hit you with that hammer and I'm like, Oh, it feels like it violates the film's internal rules. Yeah. You know, that like you see the film in color. Um, these men are observing the Sabbath and are saying these Sabbath prayers and they're lighting these candles and you have all this warm glow. And then the color drains out of the film um, as a, and it, it, Spielberg explains this. It's like this is showing that like there's still life, but without color. You know, people were living, but there is no life, mm-hmm. I think is the exact quote he said. And, that he, you know, then then at the end where Oscar has got enough of his people to and, and and he's secure enough that he can like kick all the Nazi guards out and let the Jews celebrate the Sabbath. And when the rabbis light that candle, only the candle flame itself is lit. Mm-hmm. And it's like the life is starting to return. I don't know what the use of red symbolizes in this ghetto sequence. Um, it seems like it violates that rule for color, but it's 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 also it's clearly just something that stuck out in Steven Spielberg's mind from these survivor accounts that he wanted to kind of pay tribute in some way. Yeah, I, I when I I was trying to find Spielberg's own words about this and it I don't know when I finally found them, it didn't really ring super true mm-hmm. to me, although like his description of events, I think is accurate. It didn't. The symbolism here doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So his idea here in this scene is that it was intended to symbolize how members of the highest levels of government in the United States knew the Holocaust was happening and didn't do anything to right. stop it. And and his exact words, it was as obvious as a little girl wearing a red coat walking down the street, and yet nothing was done to bomb the German rail lines. Nothing was being done to slow down the annihilation of European Jewry. 
So that was my message in letting that scene be in color. I boy, I saw that. That is not you're right. What I got out of it. What I got out of it is this is the moment that Schindler has decided enough is enough. I can't tolerate this. I have to do something. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm trying Spielberg to think it works that way. Things. That like so that's so even so that's Steven Spielberg's way of saying even Schindler, who has been portrayed as this kind of like you know non serious kind of fuck boy, decides that he can't even see enough. But you've got mm-hmm. you know Western generals who are bombing the shit out of German supply lines that are directly contributing to the and you know have a lot of intelligence. You know they've cracked the Enigma machine. They've done all this stuff almost certainly knew about this, but didn't even, sure. you know, I thought it's reasonable. Like, why not bomb the rail lines between the capital of Poland and Auschwitz, for example? Uh, why not make the li- the Nazis' lives harder? Um, you know, maybe they would find... Because the, the, the one thing that impressed me about what I've gotten into this World War II day-by-day day, or in real-time sequence is how the Nazis had a hard time enforcing their racial... Uh, purity amongst themselves like even with their Mm -hmm. hand-picked ss people lining up a couple thousand people in a trench men women and children and shooting them and wave after wave after wave just fucking erodes the human soul uh there's a story Mm -hmm. where goebbels came out to witness it and wept like fucking goebbels so, like, one of the things like they, they were desperate to find the solution of, like, you know, like, okay, let's rotate men in shifts. Let's do the whole thing where we have multiple marksmen for each person. So there's plausible deniability of who's squeezing a trigger. Uh, let's make sure that the, all the men that do these things kind of, like, you know, fraternize together. So there's a shared kind of guilt. But ultimately, they they had to turn to the gas because Germans, and they, 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 they didn't think they had a reliable source enough of Germans willing to do this shit that they want that they needed to do to purify the the European continent of, of, of international Jewry. Um, and that was like that was the, the, this whole yeah. mechanism to make it to where it's like, oh, you just put people in the room and they're dead. And, you know, then then you have, uh, you know, other prisoners clean them out and shove them. Through. This was like a nice, tidy thing to them because that's the way they could, like, keep their hands clean. The movie deals um, with that in a couple of places, right? The the ones that stuck out to me were um the the scenes where you see the 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 guys who were like smuggling shit, uh selling mm-hmm. things on the black market mm-hmm. and the streets and stuff. Uh, a couple of them join up with the police force there in Krakow. And I was like Okay, I mean, you you could see somebody joining up with the police force. Like, it pays better, and, like, things yeah. aren't crazy bad yet, you know? Okay, right. they've been moved maybe temporarily to another part of the city, and it sucks there, but, like, you know, there's no max, mass executions yet. Um, and, and you start to see, like, how you could slowly move people from being... If, if you immerse them all at once into, like, mass executions and put a rifle into the friend of someone's hand and said, shoot this person, they wouldn't do it. But if you, right, you know, kind of slowly move them through those stages, they would potentially. And then the, the scenes at the end uh, when Schindler has his factory in Czechoslovakia and he tell the, the war is going to end and he tells these guards, oh, look, I know you have orders to execute everybody here. You can either return to your family as murderers and do that, or you can return as men. 
and they all turn around and walk out, right? Like none of them wanted to do this stuff. It was simply, you don't have a lot of choice, right? Because there are people who are willing to do this stuff. And if you try and stand in the way, you get steamrolled. Yeah. And again, all I said that not to excuse, like I'm not trying to excuse the individual Germans that, you know, went along with this stuff. No. Um, no. I just always try to think is like, you know, what what would I do and think in that situation? Mm-hmm. And the fact I think it's interesting that even the Nazis had trouble finding people that were Nazi enough to do the shit that they right. were ordering people to do without psychological. Because like, yes, I think in the Wehrmacht, especially in SS, heavy drinking, use of hardcore drugs, amphetamines, mm-hmm. uh, it required this to be it's to be inhuman. Um, yeah, there's that shot. And this is probably an iconic shot. Like I said, my first time seeing this, but that shot of the pile of bodies burning and that SS uh, officer just losing his goddamn mind in front of it. And yeah. I, I think that's out of like, I, in my mind, th- that is a man who deeply hated these people and he's uh-huh. kind of the worst, but also it's a man who's seeing shit that no one should see. And it's, it's not, it's, it's not real anymore. Like reality is gone from this man and he's just lost his damn mind. Yeah. How can you conceive of that? I thought there's another shot where they're coming into Auschwitz and you see the, the furnace, like the smokestack, it's just burning 24 seven. It's like flames coming out. Look particularly hellish. They're like, yeah, there's a, there's a, unreality to to all this to the extent that like um i thought it was interesting that in the polish labor camp in the midpoint of the movie there's women who you know they're up late and they're telling this one woman's telling the story about i heard these rumors that you know that they're no longer sorting people into you know this that and the other it's like you know as soon as you arrive they strip you naked they shave your head they give you a bar of soap and tell you to go in this room and then they gas you mm-hmm. And the other women are like, that's bullshit. There's no way that's true. Why the hell would we do that? We're their workforce. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like even at that point, they're they're sitting there. They've had every and also the, the scale of theft uh, in this movie. Um, it really drives that home. Like the fact that like sure. whether you were wealthy or not, uh, the Nazis just took everything from you. Um, mm-hmm. And the way they also cloaked it is like. They're at every phase, it's like the Nazis would just lie to you. They're just like, well, okay, we're going to go here and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, your bags will be reunited with you. No, they're not. They're going to be taking this mm-hmm. next room and they're going to go through for all your precious metal, all your leather, all that kind of stuff. Anything they can reuse and it's going to be sent and, and used for the war effort. And then, you know, like, oh, don't carry anything. All your possessions, like all that stuff was. But just the the scale of theft that they were pulling off in terms of. You know, you even get a little bit of the Oscar is like, oh, I got this nice big apartment that uh, they put me up in, in this beautiful city in Poland and all this. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we just saw the the wealthy middle class Jews that were kicked out of it, man. You know, uh, yeah, it's the scale of everything. It's it's the the machinery of it all. It's just like. If this if this were to happen to one person, you'd say it's a tragedy. What do you even call something on this scale? It It's a holocaust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, invent a, you invent a, a word for it. Right. Um, there's, there's only one word for it. It's crazy. Because, yeah, I mean, I mean it might still be, it might, hopefully, it might go down as like um, one of the worst mass murder events of human. Because, like, before the 20th yeah. century, you could never do it at this scale. Right. You did. You need mechanized industrial society to, a, 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 to efficiently exterminate people in this scale. Um, 
Yeah, I, like I said, I don't know. Maybe Genghis Khan killed more people uh, in raw numbers, but per capita in terms of like you know, uh, in an organized, efficient. I, I don't know. This this might be the uh, still the the big event. I'm a so, poor student of history, though. There there might have been crazy shit to happen in the Middle Ages, but yeah. Well, it's, I'm, um, I mean, the, it is it is industrial. So so I think I I know nothing about like the Jewish faith and their customs and ceremonies and stuff. Um, and so when I saw the two candles that were being lit at the beginning and end of this movie, I was interested to go figure out what those were. Apparently, these this is a Sabbath ritual. Um, mm-hmm. You light the two candles to represent, I believe, uh, cre- to to remember and oh, what is the other word? Uh, there's there's two elements to it. You remember and observe the the creation of of. The, the world and, and humans and also um, deliverance from Egyptian slavery, essentially. Mm. And I wonder, I, I was thinking, man, okay, those are big events. That, that's a big event in uh, Jewish history. Is, is there any call? Was there any call? Would there ever be any call to integrate an event like this into that remembrance and observance? Because this seems... On a scale of one to ten, to be a goddamn ten. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that stacks on because like if you the one thing I've appreciated about Jewish history as like if you if you want to like discount biblical accounts of like you know being sl- sl- slaves in Egypt, sure, which sure. I, I think there's dubious archaeology evidence for that. But it seems like if you want to say go back into like the last thousand years, I don't know that you could find a more persecuted race of per- people for a long time for like longstanding reasons, mm-hmm. um, longstanding compounding reasons that like, you know, uh, you might get a generation or two of relative peace and prosperity and then some new guy would take over rule and decide that the problem is the Christ killers. The problem is the, you know, these these people that we put in charge of the banks because we we are religious customs outlaws from running banks. Uh, they're the ones that's ruining society. And like was like, like this clockwork, you know, there's the pogroms would start this, you know, this violence and suppression, this, uh, you know, this this diaspora that's just kind of like driven onto the four corners of the world to escape this persecution. Mm mm-hmm. And it culminates into this event um, where they made a fucking earnest effort to just wipe them off the face of the earth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do, do, I, do like, modern I, it events seems ever like make Jews it into have a very religious complicated rituals. relationship about the Holocaust and, you know, what it means to honor it and what it means to remember it. And I wonder, I don't I don't know. I'd have to ask people. You'd probably get a lot of, you know, you might ask 100 Jews and get 100 different answers about. Sure. But it's yeah, it's my understanding that they they haven't they ha- they haven't in- instituted a new holiday, a new holy day for for remembrance on this. It's probably been rolled into all the other historical, you know, religious stuff. Uh, That's what stuff, I was thinking. Like, uh, is, there, is there are there ever modern events that that sort of I, I don't know when, when I think of rituals, I can only think of rituals that have existed for ages. Right. Forever. Sure. Um there, there had to be a first Sabbath celebration, a Sabbath uh, commemoration, and I would think something like this would register, but what do I know? 
Uh, I want to talk before because because we've gotten off of Oscar Schindler. I want to talk about Liam Neeson's performance because you mentioned that he goes through that as profound internal change and we're not really privy to it. We see a couple scenes suggesting, mm-hmm. you know, him seeing these horrors and certainly the girl in the red coat is kind of emblematic of that. Um, but you mentioned that like uh, there's not a lot of change in his character. They don't talk about it. It's not like there's a, a scene where him and Ben Kingsley's like, right. oh, we're now going to conspire to save all the Jewish people, right? The workforce, right? That's what we're going to do now. They don't really do that. And I thought it's interesting. That's how little Schindler changes. Like there's a couple points where he flies a little too close to the sun um, mm-hmm. where like a, a, where like he's conspicuously showing kindness to, Jew, to Jewish people. The one that I think he comes to the, the closest to is where he has them have fire hoses to like yeah. spray down the cars because it's so hot in there and the people are literally wilting, dying, can't have a thirst. And he's having people spray fire, you know, like this is an act of kindness, spraying people with fire hoses through barred windows on a train car. But you can tell like the Nazis are kind of like at first thinking, ah, fuck it, whatever, who cares? But then it's like, why is this guy so animated about watering these Jewish people? Doesn't and also kind of like what an idiot doesn't he know? Does it like what what this is like literally um uh this is a story about a man in hell in the Bible where he 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 asks for someone to get you know give him a, a, a drop of water at the end at the end of his finger to cool his tongue. It's that kind of thing where it's like mm-hmm. these people are already they have no future. It's it's been declared by policy that they they mentioned in the movie at one point that these people have no future and he's still trying to save them. But like outwardly, he's the same guy. He's still glad handing the Nazis. He's still going to Ammon Goth and oh, beautiful day today, isn't it? He's he doesn't show yeah. the the contempt that he has to feel towards these guys because he knows he has to you know just like he never felt the the flattering adulation for these people when he was buttering them up. Um, that skill he used to kind of like, you know, keep what he was thinking behind his eyes and just keep the wine flowing and the women flowing and the caviar and all this stuff. Um, just he's he whining and dining these fools. He maintained that till the end. And even mm-hmm. like he had a very astute, it seems from this film, way of using the Nazis worship of process and business and production above all else against them. Where time and time again, he, yeah. you know, be like, I need these people because they're the only ones that know how to work this machine. And, you know, we need these people like, do you want to make these pots and pans or the the one? The, the thing that I thought was really fucking grim is where, uh, you know, he had bartered for these eleven hundred people that he thought he'd saved and at the last minute. um you know, he had to go to Auschwitz, the fucking jaws of hell itself, to get a train full of people that got mis routed. And the Nazis going to let him go reluctantly, but he decides to keep all the children because what possible use could they have in a war effort? Mm-hmm. And Schindler grabs this little girl's, Jesus Christ, this little girl's hands and he holds her. His hands is like, look at these fingers. How else do you think I can polish the inside of a 45 shell casing? He's probably making shit up. But oh, he's like, how else am I supposed yeah. to do it? You tell me. Not like any appeal to these people's humanity mm-hmm. or their better nature or as fathers or as sons of mothers or anything. Just like I need these little fingers to help the war effort. And, and um, he uses their own cruelty against them in certain scenes, right? Like um, there's a train scene where he's looking for Stern who's been loaded onto a train mistakenly um, as a non-essential worker or whatever. And he goes up to these kind of underlings and says, well, I can guarantee if you don't give me this guy, you're going to be on the Eastern front in by tomorrow morning, right? By next week. And 
and they know that's true. Like if they have, if they make a mistake here, they're headed out to where they're certainly going to die or where they're, where they're going to be just subject to all sorts of horrors. So yeah, he's using their own cruelty against them in those, those scenes. I, I almost think some of these scenes make goth or got, I don't know how to say his name, look kind of like an imbecile. Um, or, I, well, I can't even quite put my finger on it because he realizes in that train uh, hosing down scene, he realizes that Schindler is not doing this as a joke by the end of it. This is not some, you know, uh, ruse to make the Jews look pathetic and stupid. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. genuinely trying to help these people and he does nothing about it. He does not in any way change his behavior toward Schindler. And I don't understand why. I I think, and I could be wrong because I've really only seen this movie once with a critical eye, but I think it's because Ammon Goth, Goth, uh, Got, uh, I think that he is mistaking Schindler for having this kind of Jewish fever that he has, like that he has found... Uh, you know, he's in love with this Jewish woman that he hmm. abuses and he, and he he has this kind of like fixation and hatred in and he like the way I saw that performance is him awakening kind of like, God, what a sad son of a bitch. This guy's let himself look how like, essentially pussy whipped he is. That's what I thought. But but, but because God they have that has it for one individual for an individual. And well, that's what it said. Like, what if I so like, oh, my God, what if I. I, I kind of like it's like there, but for the grace of God in a perverse, perverse way is like, go I like what if I became so um, enamored this where I started letting her te- talk me into saving her favorite rabbi or doing this or that. I would other. think this would inspire I'm, some I'm kind of backlash though, from him. I, I would think it would inspire him to fight even harder against that impulse and and take it out on Schindler. Mm. But I think so, like at the at, so. The other thing I was shocked to find out is because I never I didn't think this was based on a really true story. Like it might have been like elements or mm-hmm. like there might have been like that Schindler was a composite figure of a bunch of different German businessmen that kind of did similar things. Kind of like we saw in Valkyrie where there's like a sure. guy that did this and that. But there's a lot of composites because that, you know, this is like three different assassination attempts rolled into one. Mm-hmm. But no, apparently this is a 100 percent true account. And again, it's probably been. It's got to be dramatized. You know, that's that's exactly what is a dramatization of these events. But these are essentially pretty true events. And there was eleven hundred people that were very highly motivated to make sure that people didn't forget what one Oscar Schindler did Mm -hmm. and that he was very popular in uh, in in, 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 he's very popular Jewish people, uh, probably down to this day. Um, they mentioned this at the end of the film that he was invited. He was declared uh, by a Jewish council righteous amongst the nations, which is like um, a special recognition that uh, Jewish people make for um, people that have that have, have served the Jewish community as a non-Jew. Um, he got that in 1963, planted an olive tree along this path of righteousness, and he is the only Nazi Party official to ever be buried at Mount Zion in Jerusalem, hmm. which is an extremely high honor. And that's uh, at the end of the movie, you see, that's another thing I found moving. You see the real life people mm-hmm. escorted by the actors that played them by the real Oscar Schindler's grave as they put a pebble or a stone on the the grave in remembrance. And by the end of it, there's hundreds of there. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. That this is this this was a real story of a, what a, a real guy did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did bankrupt him. He was destitute for the rest of his life. In fact, he survived mostly on cash contributions from the Schindler Jews. Hmm. Uh, that some, you know, uh, a lot of them went on obviously to have children, make things of themselves. Um, and uh, when he was in financial trouble, uh, and th- th- they tried to help him, and then he eventually got into poor health and died of liver failure. Um. Before this movie was made, but where hmm. where were we going with that? The whole, um, I remember I I was surprised that it was as based on reality as as it was. Yeah, I, I was talking about why there wasn't more reprisal from. God. Ah, yes. So this is a real story, um, and you don't get a lot of the got stuff side of it. But like, I towards the end of the war, Got himself was getting to be under intense scrutiny because he was making this immense fortune running all this black market scams and stuff with, with, with Schindler and that he like was, was in no position to be pointing fingers and whatnot Mm -hmm. at, at this. In fact, he, I think he was dismissed out of the service before the war was over and put in a mental institution for, yeah, I saw um, the, the end tells you that right. When he's being hanged, uh, there's a little caption there that says, yeah, he was, arrested and put into an asylum yeah so i think it's like it's like the movie doesn't explain this because it doesn't explain a lot of things but uh i think the real life explanation is that he was just about to run out of his own runway for doing stuff um yeah i wish i I guess i wish the movie had made that more clear because to me it it stuck out as a moment where he should have he should have he did wise up to what schindler was doing and he should have punished him but he didn't and it was kind of out of character because the movie Imagine hadn't made though, that point. Yeah, and I, I wonder how they could have put that scene in there. Because, like... I you don't know. He, he might have wanted to, but, like, it wouldn't be prudent to point the finger at Schindler because there'd be at least five fingers pointing back at him or four fingers maybe pointing back at him. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if he had, like, tried... Maybe if there was a conversation between them that said, oh, yeah, well, I'll tell them about Helena if uh, if you try anything here i i don't know i don't know that seems too movie like the, the movie made explicit that's literally the, that's probably the last day that got and schindler ever saw each other uh-huh. because he had saved all the people he's going to save from all oh, this this uh camp that the well, no, then he goes for... and he he buys all of the the jews who were in that camp from got and then takes them oh to you're right that's slightly before yeah there, there's wasn't... a whole other sequence with him yeah, interacting yeah, yeah. with with uh schindler so well also schindler had been in trouble he got arrested three separate times they they only showed the one but he got arrested three separate times for suspicion of you know violating the nazi rules on race mixing and racial purity and all that and because i guess he had absurdly high connections in the beginning of the war number one he served as a spy some kind of intelligence officer and the lead up to world war two that like, I guess helped the German war effort out a lot. And that he was very skilled at like just glad handing and sucking up to people, making sure that he was, they, they showed that early on. Like he was very keen to get picked, you know, ha- like have these big lavish parties that Nazi officers would attend. And then they have no idea who this guy is, but by the end of the night they're laughing and slapping him back and he's getting pictures of all of it and putting it in. He had, he had all these powerful friends that like anytime someone would be like this Schindler guy looks like, what what the fuck we know and another weakness of the nazi party is that like once you got there's it's it's wild because like 
they were extremely paranoid and they're always turning on each other. That's one thing about the Nazi command. But they also had this absurd kind of like once you prove their loyalty to them and or a personal loyalty yeah. to someone who was personally loyal to somebody else that you were essentially you couldn't be touched. Mm-hmm. Because if you did, you if you did say or do something to the wrong person, you could find yourself off to some godforsaken front where you're like to die. Mm. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. maybe there is a reprisal. I, I, I'm remembering the order of scenes here, and immediately after that train scene, uh, is when he gets arrested, arrested for for kissing that Jewish girl during his birthday party. Right, it's, it's the least of the things that he did to piss off the Nazis in this film. Right, it's it's some violation of a race and resettlement act, is what they call it. Um, right, and, and I thought, okay, this is this is Ammon getting get, like realizing that he's uh, sympathetic to the Jews and punishing him for it, but then Ammon's right there arguing for his release he's the guy spearheading that and yep and i don't know if this is a power play if this is to show Mm. schindler if you cross me this is what i can do to you and if i were not there to get you out of this situation you'd be in even hotter water maybe that's what it is if so it's very subtle and i am only now putting it together but I don't know. I'd have yeah. to see it again, and I don't expect to watch this again anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not an entertaining film. It's a very good film, but it's not sure. an entertaining film. Um, yeah, it's not. That's the other thing movie. they found. You know, in in, in Nazism doesn't work. Um, headlines. I thought the the one part that almost is funny in this film is where Gott takes his pistol out in sheer peak to try to to, to murder somebody who he doesn't he yeah. doesn't even have that's the thing it's like he's half time he's murdering people he doesn't even have great reasons for he's murdering this guy for you know even though he could time this guy can make a hinge in 30 seconds he'd only made like 17 hinges that day and the mm-hmm. guy's trying to explain to him that their machines were taken down for calibration for all morning so he was putting on a sweeping detail or fucking plowing snow whatever the Nazis would have yeah. the Jews do from any any given day to day and he's like as this guy is stumbling out this apology like he's just racking around shooting racking around shooting and there's just dud after dud after dud you know part of the part of it's uh, part of the refrain you get from the holocaust denial crowd is like well, why didn't the jews do more to save themselves why didn't they do more to resist ignoring mm-hmm. and you it's like the in, you had to be a not to be a holocaust denier you have to be willfully ignorant of history you have to walk past the hundreds of experts and the reams of testimony uh the detailed accounts the nazis themselves kept of how many people they killed and Mm. cherry pick the one or two dumb fucks uh you you know that also don't understand history or maybe have a methodological problem or maybe you're misquoting to get this but like the reality is the Jews did a lot. The Jews were involved in resistance. The Jews, mm-hmm. that even when they're forced to do this labor at the pain of death, would do everything they can to sabotage the efforts. One of the reasons the Nazis had terrible reliability problems with their equipment in the field, because like, oops, a whole bag of sand got poured into this steel batch. Looks like it's only got one tenth of the tensile strength it should have. Well, uh, turns out every one of the bullets in this factory just going to misfire because they're crimp. They're yeah. fire, this, this shit's pulled out. So like there's all kinds like, was that yeah and then they then they make it explicit because there's no fucking Mm -hmm. way a whole clip of ammo is going to misfire you know um and then they make it explicit at the end i guess this Mm -hmm. is the second part of a third set martin reveal where you know him and ben kingsley are making jokes about 
how they want to make sure that no functional shell ever makes it out of this munitions factory. Yeah. You know, even if we have to buy shells from the black market at exorbitant prices to pass to keep it going for as long as we can, we don't want to make any parts that are going to go, you know, I, I thought that was. And, and, and how clever they must have felt like, oh, we're going to extract the maximum value from these people and then it's they're slit in their own throat because you're using the labor of people that fucking hate you mm-hmm. and want to do whatever they can to 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 stop you and uh and you can't you, know, thr- you don't have enough you. forces to look over every single no. shoulder no no and it's not a thought i mean again it's not it's not a thoughtful ideology that's one thing in my studies of, of fascism and nazis is this 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 you know, there's a lot of anytime you start studying World War Two, there's always these like apologists is like, gosh, if the Nazis let up on the crazy break just a little bit, you know, if they only picked like a couple of people to hate at a time, but they couldn't <laughs> help themselves because they're fucking following a crazy ideology. Yeah. You're acting like it's like it's like Hitler had his little hand on the throttle of like crazy German paranoia. And it's just like finally to no, that shit was at full crazy pants from the time the, they, they did whatever they thought they could get away with. That was the only thing that stopped them. Like international or sometimes um, sentiment at home, because that's the other thing. How many how many how many death camps do you think were in actual Germany? About all the concentrations, the famous ones, Dachau, uh, uh, Auschwitz. I, I want to say it's probably like five to ten. I, there weren't tons of them, right? Zero. What there were mean? zero concentration camps in Germany because oh, the Germans themselves oh, wouldn't fucking. Germany, yeah. Right. They had them in the occupied territories and yeah, yeah. Poland and Czechoslovakia and places Sorry, like that. I thought that. you just meant in total. So, okay. <laughs> but a lot of, but I, until just like a year or two ago, I assumed that like if, you know, if there was like 12 great death camps, at least half of them had to be in Germany sure, proper, sure, right? But, but wow. no, they exported all that shit because a lot of Germany, you know, there's the uh, one thing that halted the uh, infanticide going on in Germany where they're rounding up and killing every like mentally ill person or or physically infirm person is like an outpouring of outrage by the German clergy and German doctors. Like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, they had to stop this extermination of the undesirable because like, again, they had to keep this far as far as from home and as far from the front lines as possible because this is they they knew at some level this was bad press if nothing else yeah and also uh, can you imagine if these people you know uh who brand these camps went home to their families each night like what what does that look like you know they they probably wanted them out as far away from anybody who could tell them what they're doing is insane uh as possible there's one scene um that we kind of touched on well, earlier that I, I wanted to to talk about in this context. Well, kind of before we move on, uh, or okay, it's the same context. Okay, never it, it is. Yeah, where where they're one of the women in one of these camps is relating the story about the showers, right? Where how they cut your hair, they strip you down, they put you in the shower and just gas you. Um, and the the people who are saying, well, that story can't be true because we're their workforce. You know, they wouldn't. Mm kill their workforce that's that would be stupid they think they're dealing with a rational intelligence uh, based military yes. here what they're dealing with is a hatred movement it's yes. it's entirely different they don't care that you are their workforce they only care that you die because they hate you right and it's and that's the it's just that, that scene like that that's one of the saddest scenes is when this person just doesn't realize what they're dealing with here 
Yeah. And that's the sad, that's the other grim thing about uh, these fascist ideologies is like if the Germans were successful in eliminating the Jews from Europe, mm-hmm. guess what? Nazi Germany would be a deeply problematic, flawed society that had real systemic issues that because it turns out the Jews weren't the ones sabotaging your whole nation from within and without. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do? Go on to the next group. Do you actually go about fixing the problems or do you identify enough? Mm-hmm. And like the early early um, goings of the Nazi party were that like on speed where it's like, you know, the 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 Nazi party we used to be a big. You know, a big tent. You'd have Jews in the Nazi party. You could have homosexuals in the Nazi party. You could have all that stuff. And then, like, as they got their grips and power and they started making that undesirable group bigger and bigger. Yeah, mm-hmm. you will never they will they will, they will never find they will never get to the bottom of their problems because they would always find an external threat to, it, to attack rather than actually try to fix the problem. You know, yeah. that that Germans because, you know, again, after World War One, Germany had all kinds of fucking problems. Mm-hmm economic demographic all kinds of things uh that needed real solutions it wasn't rounding up all the jews and gay people and uh physically infirm and 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 eradicating them obviously um i was going to mention that like you know there's a no small amount of just good old-fashioned brainwashing that went on to get the germans into the state too like ss uh uh people that joined the the ss organization um, they were forbidden for celebrating Christmas. They had to do this, the, the pagan solstice because Himmler was like really, and Hitler too, is kind of obsessed with like getting back to the original Aryan roots, the, 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 hmm. the, the, the fabric, the bedrock fabric of the people that defeated Rome, you know? Um, and they couldn't, they, they wouldn't have Christian marriages. They would have these weird SS, um, civil bonding ceremonies, um, so they like, you know, how do you go home and explain this to your wife? Your wife and kids are deeply invested in what you're doing mm-hmm. and they have been brainwashed into the cult, too. You have sure, uh, sure. I mean, these are all Christian people who have been brainwashed and transformed by the Nazi Party ideology for the for their purity. So in a lot of times there probably were. Yeah. Like as right. one of the more bracing scenes in the film where um, and very early goings where the, the Jews are being forced into um the ghetto and regardless of their economic standing and they're like you know uh taking everything they can carry into the ghetto and there's these lines of polish children screaming at them bide you bide you mm-hmm. like can you imagine what it'd be like in your neighborhood yeah. in your city to be turned out of your home uh for whatever reason let's say you're the fan of uh, the of the team of the city next door you are uh the, you're a protestant instead of a catholic whatever and the children in your neighborhood are taunting you and throwing literal shit at you as this is happening yeah i mean i i feel bad for the children and i hate the parents like that's 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 what i feel in that situation yeah we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause And now, back with more Bald Move. What did you think of the scene where Schindler convinced Gott that the true test of greatness is how many people that you spare? It's not how many people you kill, it's how many people you pardon. I think it's a and really that good that scene. Actually, it had a like a momentary impact mm-hmm. on Gott mm-hmm. where he was like kind of feeling it and like, but so what ended that experiment and i just wanted to say what what you what you thought of that whole sequence yeah i think that sequence is great um it's 
just the way that the Schindler is able to kind of pull a little judo on his mind um, because, you know, clearly he respects, uh, got, got respects Schindler quite a bit. Um, they're, they're kind of early going in that movie. Very similar. Uh, got is, is envious of his wealth, uh, of Schindler's wealth, mm. of his influence with women, uh, of his, very charismatic nature all the things that he has uh got wants and so when he tells when schindler tells him like your true power is having the power and choosing not to wield it um he tries it on the next day god does and and i think it's another interesting instance of schindler saving lives but without his money you know he he, later in the movie he's gonna say like look at this car that could have been 10 more people i could have saved look at this pin i could have saved another person with this stupid pin uh Mm. but indirectly he was saving a lot of people uh in other ways too and this is a Mm. good scene that represents that because there are two people that he definitely saved at least temporarily we don't get to see their ultimate fate i don't think um before Gott realizes what's happening uh, in his own mind and says, no, I'm not going to entertain this. This this man is is not telling me truths or just simply is unable to resist and turns back to his his nature and kills uh, Lishik, I think is his name. Yeah, for not scrubbing his tub correctly. Right. But he saved the, the two people before who would have probably mm-hmm. been executed for yep. minor mistakes minor crimes in god's mind but like yeah i i thought it was an excellent scene excellent sequence that is also bookended with that you know um schindler convincing him that you need to pardon people that's the true source of power and you Mm -hmm. know again just flattering him uh gassing him up to 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 get what you want is booking into that you almost talked me into it scene that he has with uh his um servant yeah helena his housekeeper helena yeah hirsch um that was interesting because like because it's in the one scene schindler's doing all the talking he's being very persuasive he's arguing and then the book in the scene where it's like there's this brief period where got tried not to be he tried to be a nazi death camp commander but make it nice. And right. he gets to the end of that where he's down and he's with his um, housekeeper and he is trying to talk himself into raping her, I think. Mm-hmm. And he is having this imagined argument with him, her while she stands there mute, terrified. And he, you know, acknowledges that he, she makes good points. Is like, you know, you don't look like Furman. You don't look like you have a rat's eyes. You don't look like you have this. And then he almost like he uh, cups her breasts and he, um, and then he says, you almost talked me into it. I think that's also talking to Schindler. Like that's, you're supposed to see that's mm-hmm. one, like he had these different two influences in his life mm-hmm. that almost turned him to doing Again, I don't know what kind of harm reduction you can do as if you're a, a death camp commander. Imagine a lot. Imagine a lot. Yeah. Um, but like he just isn't going to do it because he was committed. Like, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know if this is a true detail, but like this, the the his last wor- the last words in the film, certainly the last words out of this 
this this uh, bag of shit were Heil Hitler. Mm-hmm. Like he was, uh, and I, I read a little bit on his, you know, I guess his real life person, his biography. He's a deeply committed Nazi. Died when he's thirty seven. Like hmm. he joined SS in nineteen thirties. Uh, like, uh, you know, before Hitler even rose to power. So he was like a deeply committed and I guess ideological into this racial business too. Like he bought it hook, line and sinker really believed in it. Um, And and the movie portrays him as full on psychopath. I mean, he, he is not a man who is caught up in a system that is uh, irrational and evil. He is a representative of the evil in that system. I think it's like it's he's either one of the very few or maybe the singular instance of he was murder he was uh, executed for war crimes but also he was convicted of murder just straight up murder because there's so many eyewitness accounts of him just like for you know it's it's you know one thing to be carrying out rules you know like oh you got to gas these people here so you're gassing these people here but uh, because it's the law or whatever you know it didn't get you out of the hangman's noose but like you know whatever but like mm-hmm. just killing people out of fits of peak and for manufactured mm-hmm. and imagined reasons. Yeah, he, he would just walk uh, you know, into it, a crowd of people and just shoot 25 of them in the head for no reason. Yeah. Someone someone's yeah. walking past him, minding their own business and boom, they're dead. It's yeah, he is a full on psychopath. And I think he stands in contrast to some of the other uh, party members in this film where they are just. You know, they're they're living through a crazy time and they're following orders. And uh, look, that's not an excuse for their actions, but it is different um, in its nature than what Goth is doing. Yeah, a lot of the I this is other thing I found surprising. A lot of the people who were filmed in this, I don't know if I should say a lot, but a surprising number to me of the people who were involved in this filming were jews who survived the holocaust Mm -hmm. um there is a few that i kind of cannot remember the name now um some of the 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 that's the friedermans or something like that uh they there's this one lady she said the first time she saw um ray fines in his full nazi regalia it reminded her so much of the real Ammon Gott that she had a full-on panic attack Mm -hmm. Um, there was a woman who went through the Auschwitz camp system and was in the filming scene of where the women think they're going to be gassed. And it turns out not. And like, what a traumatic experience that was for her. You talk about Steven Spielberg weeping every day. A lot of people were fucking re-traumatized and (laughs) traumatized and victimized again, making this film with the hopes that it would help people remember and to never forget this. So you know the whole the whole point of never forgetting is so it never happens again, um, and I just thought like detail after detail of like people who went through these camps went through, um, and how many people like uh, turned down options to work on this because they were just too close to material yeah. or thought they couldn't do a good enough job or like Martin, the Spielberg tried to get Martin Scorsese as a last ditch kind of effort and he's like look man you got a, a Jew has to shoot this film there's no fucking way I'm gonna come in here. Um, and even Spielberg, like originally optioned this rights in his thirties and he waited 10 years until, you know, and again, tried to pass this off to Kubrick. Uh, there's a couple other people he tried to get to, to make this film. Yeah. And he said, I just can't because I'm not, I'm not mature enough. I'm not ready. And finally in his mid forties, he thought he had, uh, everything kind of lined up together and did this and 
Jurassic Park as a package deal because no one wanted to bankroll this money because they all thought this movie would be a flop, a failure. Nobody would want to see it. And it would just be this passion. But it's like, well, if you're going to you're going to make a little bit of money with some dinosaurs, Stephen. So there was right. this, like a package deal where you got Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Yeah, they, they bought the rights to this film like 10 years before it was made, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Maybe we need a, a moment of inappropriate levity here because I found a couple of things kind of funny in the movie. Um, okay. Uh, unintentionally. I like, I, other than got click, click, clicking on that poor, poor door hinge maker. I didn't find much funny. Yeah, but. there's there's that joke uh, that one of the Jews in the ghetto tells early on that starts as a joke and you think, oh, there's going to be a punchline here. And mm-hmm. then the punchline is just it, it doesn't doesn't exist. Right. It's I, I forget the exact wording of the joke, but you realize halfway through or by the middle of the punchline. Oh, this isn't going to be funny. This is grim. Mm. Um, but no, there's um, so the scenes at the end where uh, Schindler has has taken all the Jews to his factory and the war is ending and he requests three minutes of silence to remember the people uh, who they've lost along the way. And then this fucker just starts singing, just stands up in the middle of the crowd during the three minutes of quote unquote silence and starts singing. Look, I know this is probably some ritual or custom or something, but don't call it silence. If you're going to have somebody singing three minutes of si- three minutes of remembrance. How about that? And then you start. Okay. singing. The word silence there threw me. Uh, the other one is. And I think this is a really beautiful moment at the end of this film. But when uh, the next day after the war is over, the the Jews all wake up outside of the factory and they're like, where do we go now? And uh, I, I think it's one of the, the Soviet soldiers rides up and tells them, hey, there's a town over there. And so they show the shot of all of the Jews walking over the hill. And I'm just imagining them going into town being hungry and saying, yeah, I'd like a table for 1100, please. Like this town, this small town in the middle of nowhere is not equipped to serve 1100 extra people during lunch. It's just, it's not going to happen. But the beautiful part about it is this is them going to a new place to flourish again. Right. They make the point earlier on how I think it's when they came to Poland, they first came there um, as refugees essentially. And, went to this city and just started flourishing there in Krakow. Like 600 years ago when they were going through another, they were being persecuted, they were being blamed for the Black Plague. Okay. Of course, it's got to be the Jews that did it. And this is Uh, Ray Fiennes telling this story in your first introduction to him. And it's a horrible point that he's making because he's saying we're going to erase the history of the Jews from the planet is what he's saying. This is an inspiring story that these people have gone through of all this grit and Uh determination but like we are going to erase all that. Now it's a rumor. Now now it never happened. Yeah he's he's not just wanting to erase these people he's wanting to erase erase any remains of like their existence. Uh, But yeah Yeah. it, it was beautiful to see them walking to a new place to flourish yet again right? Yeah, I think the point there, because there's a couple of um, there's a couple of criticisms of this movie um, that I would say are in good faith. There's a couple like I, I thought I noticed the amusement. There's a lot of neo-Nazi groups that tried to boycott and organize, you know, because it went a little too soft on the Jews and a little too hard on the Nazis. Uh, <laughs> Is, that Middle East countries Is that possible? Is that possible? Too well, hard on the know. Nazis. Get out of here. 
Yeah, no, there's some some distasteful geopolitics that went into that stuff. But there's a couple of, I think, um, what I would say good faith criticisms of this movie. Um, one of them is uh, the end is some people see it as like a big, you know, there's it's a whole thing with Zionism, right? That like there is the Jewish people that have a right to be a place where they are secure and safe and are free from being hunted and hounded throughout the ends of the earth. There's also the state of Israel, which depending on your point of view has a checkered relationship with human rights within their own border. And it's a whole fucking complex state of affairs to to hear my whole thoughts on it. Watch all of the expanse. (laughs) Um, Cause that's what that's all I'll say about that. Um, but a lot of people took, you know, the red army soldier writing or writing up to these refugees and saying, uh, you're free now. And the Jews are like, OK, now where do we go? He's like, well, I wouldn't go east if I were you because they hate you there. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't go west either. Like the idea that like this. The other thing is like the Nazi Germany was not an aberration. Like all mm-hmm. of Europe and a lot of North America was swept up in this anti-Semitism in, in the in the, the early uh, the 20th century. Because, yeah. you know, right or wrong, communism was seen as intellectual Jewish exercises that had seen as destabilizing most of the Europe continent and wrecking all the, the royal institutions that used to maintain order and threatening the the new uh, industrial capitalist capitalist uh, capitalism was was coming on the scene so there's a whole bunch of reasons so it's like there's no where should the jews go mm-hmm. it's an open question this movie and i guess the music that they play uh was seen as like a, a de facto national anthem for israel during the win in the six-day war uh over different arab coalition countries um and a lot of people are like this is an un-, you know you, you have this beautiful movie and then you kind of had this this ugliness again depending on how you feel about it with the zionism at the end uh, the other one is, of course, you just got the white savior. You know, you got Oscar Schindler, this uh, Nazi uh, who has a temerity to get a, to grow a conscience and make it about the eleven hundred people that he saved, rather than the multi thousands of 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 uh, hundreds of who knows hundreds of thousands of Jews that through their own cleverness and resourcefulness mm-hmm. and resistance saved themselves to elevate. You know, almost. You have the feeling that like this, this Nazi, these two Nazis, Schindler and Gott, are like these larger than life heroes that are mm-hmm. fighting over the souls and lives of these people that are kind of like passively going along with all this. Um, and then the third criticism is kind of like what echoes what some of your the, uh, the thing that didn't sit right with you. The fact that like it feels a little almost like whitewashed a Holocaust. Like, this is the Holocaust light. You don't get the emaciated skeletons. You don't get the true brutality. It makes it seem like, boy, this God guy, boy, if you had a better prison commander, maybe you wouldn't have had the crazy shit. You know, it's like that there's a little bit of, you know, but I, 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 like I said, I don't, I don't think I agree with any of those criticisms, Mm -hmm. but I do think they come from a place of validity. They come from a place of genuine concern um, about how the thing, uh, seen as respectful and i think there's also like there's a, a a fourth one that's kind of like just could should you make something that has any entertainment value about this at all you know like is sure. like should, should or it should just, just be, be like, documentaries 
yeah like like professors in front of chalkboards with numbers and figures and and i i think in a in a in a, in a sane world you'd have both because you you Absolutely. cannot engage the head unless you engage the heart uh-huh but um yeah i think you have to feel um you have to feel devastated by this and the, and that's the thing that surprised me about watching this movie is i didn't feel the devastation as hard as i felt it just looking at photographs of the time period maybe the documentaries i've seen on it have i i don't know traumatized me more than this film ever could because it's sensationalized and because it's i mean that that was kubrick's um criticism i guess of this film is he said it was ultimately more about so it, it, his exact words according to wikipedia the holocaust is about six million people who get killed schindler's list is about 600 who don't and he found uh-huh. that i i would say mildly offensive um, yeah, yeah yeah it's that's kind of in the second the second criticism exactly yeah but, and i think i but i think i agree with that because it just didn't it didn't quite hit me because it wasn't about the people who experienced the most pain. It was about the person who almost incidentally saved a bunch of them. Yeah. And there is like, you know, again, that's goes back to the, the, the white saver complex. The fact that like it centers on his pain at the end. It's like, you know, I think this is moving where it's like, he's thinking like, Oh my God, I could have saved. Sure. If I knew exactly how long we had and I could like, think of all the money I wasted doing this and that could have been this life and that life. And, the Jews collectively embrace and and forgive him essentially. <laughs> right. Um, but that, in, but, you that know, engages some, my some, head more than my heart. That, that, that to me is yeah. like a, a trigger to say, look at all the people who didn't do anything like Schindler did. Right. Yeah. And all the money they had, the vast wealth, the vast resources they could have brought to bear on this disgusting problem. And yet they stood on the sidelines I, I I see it as a historical fascination brought uh, to my attention by this film, not not the heartrending thing that I kind of expected of this. Well, movie. thing is, is like I I've seen lots of brutal Holocaust material, um, you know, again just documentaries and whatnot. But like I saw some things that I've never seen in this movie before. Like I thought it was an amazing detail that they built this labor camp uh, to extract the most value from a, a Jew before they killed them on a Jewish graveyard. Oh Just yeah. Already in the, the street with gravestones. So it's like, oh my God. You know, it's like, I, you know, I grew up and I remember like, it's a big thing in the pol- poltergeist. Like, you know, you can't get much more disrespectful than moving people's gravestones and using that for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it, uh, the way you could do that more disrespectfully is to build a camp that's going to enslave and, and kill them on top of it. And then you pave the streets of that camp with fucking gravestones. Yeah. I this did and and, the, and like I kept on the you see like the work crews of invariably Jewish people being forced to like uproot these stones and lay them down and like mm-hmm. what a dehumanizing task it must be to brick by brick grave by grave demolish your 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 own culture and your own people um be forced to this again because you get another day of life and who knows what will happen tomorrow yeah and th- those there people are moments, that kept making sure. those pet bets are the ones that survived uh oh that was the other criticism is that like the way this thing ended with all you know like um uh, ben kingsley says you know you didn't just save 1100 people you saved generations Uh um and they made that point because uh 
you know, a lot of these people that were uh, the, the survived this went on to have other children, and they they mentioned how many, you know, the fact that uh, the families of the Schindler Jews number six thousand, which is still at the time of the making this movie more than the number of Jews that still lived in Poland mm-hmm. because they just were so successfully eradicating them and and displacing them um, that like it gave the idea of like these people survived and they were okay. This was like a momentary and then they went on with their lives, which is belies the years of like some people never recovered in terms of like, you know, they might have gone on living, but there is also a lot of suicide. There was a lot of drug, uh, drug and alcohol use. There's a lot of just like mm-hmm. people that were profoundly fucked up over those experiences, as you'd imagine. So like that was another criticism is that you got the idea that like these people were saved with like a capital S. Um, yeah, I think I get, the final scene does a little bit to to assuage that for me uh, with them putting the 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 real people who survived these events, putting the yeah. stones on the on Schindler's grave. Yeah, I, I think that brings it back around a little bit, but I could see that yeah. criticism. Sure. Yeah, that's the thing. I always try to like, again, try to at least empathize and understand where the criticism is coming from, because most of it wasn't like this is a wrong out of project. It's more like I would have done it this way or I would have emphasized this or that. I think Steven Spielberg did an extraordinary job of mm-hmm. being sensitive. Yeah. Um, for example, he secured the rights to film inside Auschwitz, which is never granted. Never yeah. fucking granted. Like documentary crews don't get that. But they're going to let they're going to open up the gates and like Steven Spielberg. Uh, because there had already been some groups are kind of like, is are we going to film a fucking even if it's about the we're going to film a fucking movie here for like people going to pay money to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And so what Steven Spielberg did is he used the gates of Auschwitz, but he used it through like a funhouse mirror. So like outside the gates, he built a replica of the camp. So the filming would take place off Auschwitz grounds mm-hmm. to find this way to like. You know, pre pre because uh, he had a lot of people helping with this project. He's, I think, a, a sensitive man of Jewish descent himself trying to like get around like, like what what are ways that people will take this the wrong way? What are ways that we can bend over backwards to show respect for these characters? And so, like, I do think it has survived the test of time. It's got 98 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. But it's always mm-hmm. interesting to see where those two percent like. Uh, and, and again, um I'm not saying that it would be a better movie if all these things were taken into account, but maybe there should be more movies that do represent, you know, like uh, Jewish actions themselves that saved Jews that maybe, you know, do show more of the harrowing things that happen uh, that maybe are less focused on two German born uh, Nazi party officials, high ranking Nazi party officials that kind of like, you know, did these big actions to a, a, a passive group of people. I, I think those um, those are definitely things that uh, Hollywood b- would do well to to take and learn from if we want to repeat this experiment every 30 years until the end of time, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I still think, think it's a, are- a, a very well made movie. I think it's a great movie. It's just I, yeah. I expected I had expectations that I I feel were unfair to the movie because hmm. because I haven't seen this but I've heard it talked about for thirty years right. Do you think we are doomed to repeat shit like this? Not of course exactly God, like this, not. but do we think we're doomed to repeat this as people die and forget? Like that's the thing that I was struck. All these survivors of the Holocaust that were still. Yeah. You know, Hale and Hardy, they're in their late 60s, 70s. You know, some of the children were, you know, even middle aged, still having kids of their own. And now you realize 30 years from now, almost none of that, even the youngest has to be dead or that there's if there's any left, it's just a handful. And 30 years hence, they will completely be gone. 
Yeah, so uh, this is one this was one of the most uh affecting scenes or even lines maybe um in the entire movie when it comes from a modern perspective is when they are sorting people into essential and non-essential workers and there's one person who Stern helps to get the essential worker card even though he shouldn't based on their criteria and their and what the guy says when he gets denied an essential worker pass is I'm I'm a I'm a professor of history and literature since when is that not essential and that to right. me stuck out as if you forget the lessons of history you're doomed to repeat them it was I I don't know to, that that was one of the more emotionally affecting scenes for me in the entire movie and it was so early on and it's so not the scenes I think you're supposed to feel deeply. But man, yeah, when you look around right now, you yeah. you worry. You worry that we are forgetting lessons. Yeah. Yeah, and it's wild because like um any kind of conspiratorial thinking, Holocaust denial, certainly conspiratorial thinking, um, it's so hard to stamp out because a denier can give you a hundred facts sentence facts that all require pages paragraphs if not pages of historians that debunk like oh this mm-hmm. gas chamber had wood doors doesn't sound like a very effective gas chamber to me or like oh these walls weren't blue enough if they were you know exposed to the zyklon b or you know can you really incinerate six million people if you had four years and the like there's all this like where it's like well if you want to give it a serious answer you have to take time and give it a serious answer meanwhile as you've debated uh, as you debunk the wooden door Mm-hmm. Uh, theory the denier has gone on to spout 10 new facts it's like if you've ever tried to argue with a friend about fucking the world trade center it's right, like right. you start off with the jet fuel can't melt steel beams and like you move on from that and it's like well building seven like mm-hmm. there's there's because you can always find something that makes you go huh but like you and unless you're willing to look at the 99 percent of the data that like supports it and again and i think this is another thing that the movie makes brilliant is the paperwork the nazis uh-huh. were above all else german yeah. so they fucking wrote everything down and scheduled it all out with tables and spreadsheets they spent a lot of money with ibm to calculate this shit there's mm. reams like you there's so many different ways to, to to estimate how many people died in the holocaust number one nazi records number two uh you know uh the the, the, the uh excess death you know, some of the ways that we can tell how many people uh, COVID killed in the last few years, like about how many people that should be alive and aren't um, the fact that there's mm-hmm. still to this day only 4000 Jews that live in Poland. Like you have to like overlook that stuff. So it's like I think it's somewhat important to have people around. It's like, look at this fucking arm. I have a tattoo where I was like a numbered like cattle for extermination. Uh if you're in hardcore denialism, you're you're past like responding to any kind of facts, logic or reason. So I guess yeah. movies like this, I feel like are good vaccines that, you know, if you can show people this and, um, you know, it, it's it's much harder for a conspiracy person to sway someone who's actually been edgy. And it doesn't even take that much education on the topic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's much harder for them to get that foothold, that mental foothold than it is. If person hasn't thought about this stuff at all. So I think these movies play a really valuable part and I hope people don't stop uh, watching them and making them because that's when, you know, well, I, I think you so. do run the risk of forgetting. Yeah, they, they absolutely have a place um, 
in in the sort of inoculation against these ideas. I mean, you, you inspiring people to to better uh, better peoplehood, better human uh, nature is something that movies can do that I don't think documentaries do. You you're never I don't think you're ever inspired by a documentary so much as a film. Um, yeah. So they have a, va- a very valuable place and a part to play in our historical remembrance of these events. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to say you shouldn't make movies about the Holocaust. I think it's important to It's just, yeah, do, do, what kind of movies are you going to make about it? And Schindler makes a really good protagonist for, you know, he's for not sure. a good conventional one because it does seem like he is kind of like at a base level, somewhat a shitty person. But like, I think it is kind of inspiring that a person who's a card carrying member of the Nazi party who has made millions and millions of dollars off the backs of this uh, inhuman process can still find it at the end of the day within them to do good, to engage in this kind of harm reduction, to try to make the, the yeah. to try to save as many people as you can. Uh, to, it's, it's never too late, you know. And uh, I, I do like the scene where he's saying, you know, this car could have been 10 more people saved. It, it, yeah, it, I, I don't know. In some weird way, it like puts a price on human life, which I think is weird, but in another way, it, it puts a price on wealth in, in human mm. currency, right. In, in lives it's, 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 uh, it can be an inspiration to people who have vast resources, about what to do with those things. Do you want to just stick it in a bank for the sake of having more? Or do you want right. to actually go out there and make people's lives better with it? And this guy, like, you know, it's also, it's like, it's, it's basic kind of like almost biblical morality that this guy spent all of his, his treasure uh, that he had massed to save as many people as he could. And because he did that, he didn't, he didn't have a lavish lifestyle the rest of his life, but he lived for the rest of his life, him and his wife both, because the people that mm-hmm. he saved sustained him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's uh, I don't know, where do, you, where do you put your time and treasure? And I do think it's a little bit more inspiring. It's like, you know, Fred Rogers fights the Nazis and saves 1,100 people uh, by tricking the Nazis. Okay, well, yeah, Mr. Rogers did it. But like if some kind of womanizing, right. church, church, uh, skirt chasing uh non-serious you know playboy can have a moment of clarity where it's like this is just deeply fucked up and i'm gonna have to reverse pump all this stuff um then anybody can including you and me uh, i think the, the scary implication there is that it takes something like the holocaust to shock people out of complacency <laughs> yeah that, that's the the scary part to me is how bad does it have to get before people who are otherwise not inclined to step up and do something yeah, there's a lot I of uncomfortable don't questions about about World War II, and it's like, well, what if Hitler had only stayed in the borders of Germany? What if he had sure, just taken, sure. you know, and like stopped and sued for peace? Like, you know, what if? What if? What if? But mm-hmm. uh, fortunately, we don't know. We don't. We don't. We don't live in that counterfactual. But uh, I, I'll stand by that. Yeah, like any if if Oscar Schindler can. Uh, find it in himself to revert like as deep as he was and as complicit as he was in every sense of the word if if he can do that and and win you know uh the gratitude of the sincere gratitude of the people that he saved again a thousand people it's not nothing uh then then anybody can do it um and that he sure. showed a certain amount of bravery and courage because oh, he yeah. was putting not just his it wasn't just his money it was very much his neck on the line mm-hmm. um 
when he did these things too. Because that's the other thing when he was doing that speech about I could have done more, I could have done more, I could have done this, I could have done that. What you could have done more, and then I, I think even Kingsley made this point, like when he's yeah. talking about like we don't ever want to make a bomb that works in this factory. Kingsley's like, well, what if we get shot down and we're all sent to Auschwitz? Like if you there's that harm reduction. If you push too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, if Oscar Schindler's got a a fucking Tommy gun and just went to the next SS ball and shot every SS officer there, would it have ended the war earlier or would it just condemn these 1100 people to death? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's lots, lots to think about with this movie. Um, but I was I was uh, I, I was amazed at how much I'd forgotten and how kind of bass backwards I got the basic kind of like moral story, you know, watching this at 15 versus watching it as, as a 46 hmm. on 47 year old. Um, and again, I if uh, you haven't watched it lately, um, it's not a bad thing to do because we've got uh, it seems like anti-Semitism is is kind of popular again and the way Spielberg was talking about it in the early 90s. So, yeah. And refresh your memory. Refresh your memory why these things are bad. All right, that'll do it for this week's discussion of Schindler's List. We'll be back next week with another black and white film. This one uh, from the contemporaneous silver screen era. We're going to be looking at Citizen Kane. Uh, widely hailed as one of the first of the so-called modern movies. Uh, seen as very influential. A lot of I people just say saw the best it over film the winter break. Ever made? A lot of people would argue this is the best that. film I've... ever made. I'm really curious to see what you make of it. Me too. Uh, I've never seen it. I just watched this like like three weeks ago. It was over Christmas break. Hmm. Um, And I kind of want to go back and watch Mank too, which is the fictionalized account of the writing of this story Mm -hmm. starring uh, 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 Gary Oldman and a few other people. Um, But yeah, I'm really curious to see what you make of that. Uh, But we'll be back uh, with with Citizen Kane. Uh, Again, our patron... Executive producers help us with the Bald Move Prestige movie each week. We submit them a suite of three films that we could talk about, and they select it for us. If you'd like to get on that process, please go to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can join the club and get that as well as many other premium features, such as ad-free feeds, uh, bonus audio content, uh, live video recording shows, etc. Support.baldmove.com. We'll see you next week.